Good afternoon. This is Dr. Matthew Dunn, host of the future of email marketing. My guest today is Jay Gibb, founder of CloudSponge. Jay and I just connected and had all five minutes conversation. There's going to be some get to know you in this, but Jay, welcome. Thanks for making the time. Hey man. Thanks for having me, Dr. Dunn. CloudSponge, elevator speech version. CloudSponge, elevator speech. So we help e-commerce businesses double or triple their word of mouth, the performance of their word of mouth. Um, and the, the way we do that is with, uh, it's actually just, it all starts with one button. There's a, a single button that most e-commerce sites don't have on them that is just add from address book. Okay. It allows a, a fan, a customer, a person who's bought something or, you know, a repeat customer, uh, it allows them to select people from their own address book to send referral emails or sharing emails uh, in a way that where they don't have to type anything, which is especially important, you know, when you're using a, a mobile browser, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, now everybody's gone through the frustration of, you know, trying to type a comma separated list of email addresses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you've seen it a million times and like, it just doesn't, it's not a thing that people do. It's not a, th a thing they want to do unless they're super, super motivated to, yeah. to, to do it. Uh, you got typos, you got, you know, losing people so they can go look it up and copying and pasting. And it was, it's just a, it's just a tough problem. Right. And, and so a lot of sites that we see when, when they first discover us, you know, they're sort of abusing the mail to link, but you know, the mail to link is supposed to be for like a contact us. But a lot of people will use it and they'll leave the two field blank and then they'll like, and they'll hope that when the mail to link like launches a browser, the person knows what to do with it. Right. Yeah. And they're, and they're coming to us to level that up and to get rid of that because it doesn't work and it's not trackable. Right. So um, let me, let me see if I've got the scenario correct since I, I get to, you know, learn on behalf of, of listeners for this. Um, I, if I'm browsing a site with great microphones and I wanted to tell my son, Hey, check this out. It might help with the recording you're doing instead of me thumbing in his address and just his email address. If that site has a button on the product page, I can tap that and send it to him. So it's from me through them to him. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We do the address book part, right? So yeah. CloudSponge doesn't do the email sending, right. uh, like right. that part. That's usually a feature that already exists, sure. right? You, you've yeah. got a referral program platform somehow, either a WordPress plugin or a, you know, a form plugin, or maybe one of the, one of the companies out there that does, you know, referral emails with rewards and stuff like that, right? There's, it's a big, it's a big industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we do is we take that, those forms, like what you're describing on the microphone site, uh, that are probably currently not performing very well, right? Because you're making people type email addresses yeah. and they're just not going to do it. Yeah. And we, we provide a way for you to put a button beside that form field. that just says add from address book. Okay. Click it. You authenticate with your address book, whether it's in, you know, Gmail or Yahoo or Outlook.com or AOL or any of the other couple dozen uh, address book sources that we support. Okay. 
you know, the user basically finds the logo they recognize, they click it, they log into their account, they get all of their contacts right there on the site, like on the, in your example, on the microphone site, they select all the people that they want to send it to hit, you know, submit. And then there's a basically on a separated list of email addresses gets inserted into the field for them. And they didn't have to type anything. They didn't have to, you know, go open a different window or go somewhere else. Right. So it's a way to, to take that that functionality that's already there and, and make it, you know, 20 times better. Yeah. I can, I, I can see why the number, the numbers you cited near the beginning make sense because the odds of someone completing it, doing it right, go up, uh, multiple people, much, much more likely. Um, is there, do some of the address books support providing like friendly name, you know, Hunter Dunn with his email address, not just his email address? They all do oh, uh, cool. for, for sure with that one. Right. Um, we've got a whole matrix of what fields are supported by which one. Yeah. Cause yeah. you know, we can't, we can like, in, like create data out of thin air, <laughs> but it all depends on, you know, the individual and how they input the data into their own address book, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, they have, there's a bunch of fields that are common, right? Like first name, last name, email address, phone number are the obvious ones, right? Yeah, sure. Um, most of them have like a suffix or a, or a, like a salutation. A lot of them have a job title. A lot of them have a pro, some of them have profile pictures, some of them have uh, social media handles, stuff like that. Right. And so it's, it's our job to sort of ingest what we can normalize it into a, a format that's consistent and then, you know, deliver that in an interface and then you know, more, our more sophisticated, uh, clients that they want to build their own interface and they don't want to use our contact picker, uh, they're able to, you know, just interact with the data in like a headless way and build their own UI for it as well. And so sometimes we have, we have uh, a few customers that have done that as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. It seems like uh, very applicable to B2B, not just, not just product. Much of that? Yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely a, a huge, the, the use cases where it's a super powerful are in any kind of referral situation, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the next, next one is, um, crowdfunding. Oh, duh. Yeah. Wow. To, to referrals, but it's basically like project creators, as soon as they're done creating the project and they're like launching something, yeah, they always want to put in their, their address book and send it out to people. And, and they want to have more than just an email address, right? They want to have personalization with first names and last names and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then the same goes for backers, right? In a crowdfunding scenario, the people that are backing a project are almost always given some, uh, after they're done with their checkout and they're, they've given some money to the project, they're always given some sharing functionality to spread the word. You else wants to join the band here, so to speak. Yeah. So we own, we totally dominate that industry, right? It, like, I think last time I looked like seven of the top 10 crowdfunding sites are using, you know, the cloud sponge contact picker. Wow. Like, like donors choose and GoFundMe and all those big guys, they all use it. Um, now, one of the things that people who don't work in software, which you do and have for a long time, don't tend to keep in mind is that things take maintenance. And I would guess there's changes and evolutions in, in, in the address books and, and 
and then the recipient side or the, uh, you know, the, the, the side of where you're dropping it in from the address book, what's that been like over the years? I mean, that's the constant, that's the thing that we always have going right. And, and, and from a sales perspective that you've touched on the primary argument or fr yeah. friction point, or, yeah. you know, if you, if you look at what I've written, uh, you know, on Quora and other blog posts and stuff, I, I, I state pretty plainly that our primary competitor, because there's no other real, like unique contact picker on the market that you can go buy our primary co our competitor is internal developers that think that this is easy, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they see, oh yeah, I can build a Google contacts integration, right? I could do that in a week or whatever, but they don't, they don't multiply that by the different sources that are important and you know, factor in the permanent ongoing maintenance cost. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the changes in, in data formats and policies and stuff like that. Yeah. And so, you know, anybody who goes to the CloudSpunge site, if you look at the news section of our site mm -hmm. and the changelog section of our site, <laughs> you'll, you'll see the constant stream of announcements and updates like, oh, hey, we fixed this for all of our customers and this, yeah, yeah. this thing, this thing that was going to be like an imminent breakage on your site. Like you don't have to think about it. Right. Cause yeah. we're taking care of the hard stuff. Yeah. We took care of, we had a not, 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 not directly related to email, but we had a a project out of this company a while back that involved, uh, involved Facebook's APIs at a couple of levels. And, and I, I personally ended up so PO'd at the constant chopping and changing and permissions game there. And just the sheer bureaucracy, I said, said like someone says, blah, 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 Facebook. The answer is no freaking way because <laughs> it just is, oh my God, it's a drag. <laughs> And it yeah, feels like you're doing the same thing, thing over and over. <laughs> and, the, and, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, they'll give you notice. They'll say, hey, by the way, this thing that's critical to your business that you're depending on. Yeah. It's going to go away in 18 months yeah. or 12 months or whatever. Yeah. So the, a lot of times they'll give you time to adapt, right? Yeah. To be fair. But. Yeah. There's, it's but. always, there's very, most of the time there isn't like a direct replacement for it. Like, mo what we've noticed is. Most of the time they're taking away something. They're not adding something that you're excited about. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it does put you in a got to get to it, uh, position as well, because as you said, that's precisely the real value proposition, the real, you know, the real point of friction that you eliminate is that you will get to, will handle that. You must've run into scenarios where something just flat disappeared and there was no way around it. Yeah. LinkedIn. Uh, and, and, and way back, cause we've been doing this since 2010. So what 12, 12 years now, there's a lot of stories, uh, but LinkedIn was kind of the big one that caused a, a bunch of disgruntled cloud sponge customers that we've just couldn't help. Right. We're like, I'm sorry. Like yeah. we're victims of this decision as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but basically what LinkedIn did, um, and they have struggled with this a lot, by the way, over the years, there's a lot of LinkedIn stories on this timeline. But the most recent one was it used to be that you could, as a LinkedIn user, you could export your connections mm -hmm. and get like a zip file that's got a bunch of CSV files inside of it and mm -hmm. uh, import that into your CRM or do that with something. And, and, they, and they were kind of, you know, on the side of the debate where you own your own data. Mm -hmm. you, this is your data. These are your connections and you have a right to have it. Right. Um, 
And they, you know, they kind of degraded that deliberately over the years to a place where you could do it, but you had to wait 24 hours or 48 hours, or you had to jump through some hoops because they had, I think they probably had a lot of scammers, phishing, like contacts and a lot of abuse there, right? And then eventually they flipped it and they made it so that that export is basically blank unless individuals, every individual, uh, connection of yours who would normally be in there yeah. has chosen to go and opt in to being in there. Yeah. Which obviously nobody's motivated to do. Right. Right. Uh, so that was one example where, you know, we had tons of customers that were getting a ton of value out of it and, and their end users, right? Like in a, in a really above board kind of way. Uh, and then it went away and, you know, we ended up having to take it off of our list of supported, uh, providers. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well, that, that, that question of who controls which data is certainly one of the central ones of the time, right? I mean, you're, you're in California, correct? Yeah. Right. So California just passed uh, CCPA a while back. I know yep. that's affecting the email marketing space and, you know, Europe was ahead of us by a good stretch with GDPR, um, have, have privacy laws and regulations come become front and center in, in business for you? On the sort of the persuading customers that it, like on the sales side of things. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. Okay. Uh, but as far as our product is concerned, it didn't affect us much other than just making sure we had the right stuff in, in our terms and conditions and privacy policy. Right. And, and the reason for that is because since day one for the life of our business, we don't store this data at all. Yeah. We're just a data processor. Yeah. So we're performing a function for the end user who wants to just use their own address book, right? Yeah. And for a moment that has to pass through our servers, but it never gets written to disk. It's not something that our customers can go like search and look up and use. Right. It literally just lives in the, the client, in, in, the, in the browser of the person who gave like basically gave permission to read their own address book, right? Yeah. They're using their address book and then it's gone. The only thing that's left in our system is a log file entry. So that like for billing purposes and for like, you know, for, for debugging and stuff. Yeah. There's a log file that says like this happened, it came from here and this was the IP. This is how long it took, you know, this is how many, you know, records were in the address book, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's, we don't store any of the sensitive data. Um, but that doesn't mean that our customers are now concerned about it, right? When GDPR uh, was first sort of, um, you know, in the news before it became like a thing that you had to do and everybody knew that it was a thing on the horizon, right? The big question was, how does this affect my referral program, mm -hmm. right? Like, forget the address book. If I can't allow Dr. Dunn to type Jay Gibbs email address into my website because he wants to send his friend a referral, mm -hmm. then how am I going to grow? Right. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of legal departments out there that still are mentally blocked on that. They're just like, don't understand that like it all has, well, from my perspective anyway, and I'm not a lawyer, but from my perspective, uh, when I read through stuff like GDPR, the golden rule applies to almost everything. It's pretty much like treat other people's email addresses the way that you would want yours to be treated, right? Yeah. If Dr. Dunn gave you Jay Gibbs email address to do a specific thing, he has a specific intent. He wants to send Jay a referral. 
then do that for him and then obliterate the email address and don't do anything else with it. Don't save it. Don't make a ghost profile. Don't send reminders. Don't do all that sketchy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you can obviously like perform a function for your customer and send an email to the person they want to send mm-hmm. when they're asking you to send it. It's, it's all the other stuff, the, the background processes and the database saving and all that other stuff. It's a little bit sketchy that you, you know, you just have to not do in my opinion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I think, uh, that, 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 that seems like, seems like darn good guidance to me. There's a, there's a bit of a, maybe a conversational pivot, but there's a, there's a newsletter paid newsletter that I subscribe to. I was talking with, with, uh, Chad White about this the other day. Actually, I, I sent him, I said, do you read Stratechery is the newsletter? And he said, no, I haven't. And, and at the tail end of this newsletter, which I pay for every month and read every morning, it says occasional forwards are okay. And so in a very cherry picked basis, I'll take something that is super relevant or someone I just want to do is like, here you go. You're going to love reading this. It says occasional forwards are okay. I, I do, I'm all I'm trying to do is help, help Stratechery grow. Cause I think so highly of the, of the caliber of their content, but it's, it's a fair amount of manual labor for me to do that forward. Right? It's like, I've got to have it, uh, type in the address, et cetera, and off you go. You take that piece of the friction out of the equation. Hypothetically, Stratechery could have a occasional forward this to one of your friends right on their, right on their site, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then several, uh, several of my customers are like in the newsletter. Right. Right. And, right. and they do that. A lot of them will maybe be a little bit more, uh, aggressive than that. Like they're actually providing rewards for well, those yeah. kinds of referrals yeah, and things like sense. that. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and so, you know, th- yeah, but, but yeah, that, that's exactly where we live, right. Is in those places where, you know, you see some content that you like and, and there's some, you know, way for you to share that content, whether it's a forward or, yeah. you know, a landing page that's, sh- you know, showing your milestone rewards or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, right where you would normally have to type in your friend's email address, instead of doing that, you can just like, you know, multiple friends for your address book. Right. And that's, that's how we end up earning the, you know, the catchphrase, right. The double, double the performance of your word of mouth that I mentioned when you've, you know, at the beginning of this conversation. Uh, because what ends up happening is once it's so convenient and then there's no typos, especially on a mobile device, then people do more of it, especially if they've got some kind of incentive, if there's, if there's a reward for them, yeah. um, then they'll do more of it. They'll, they'll, they'll think of more people who might be interested in that newsletter and, and they'll check those check boxes, right. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll deliberately share it with more people. Oh, nice. Nice. We are in a, I mean, <laughs> no, we're totally conversationally segueing. We are in a, a funny renaissance for e- email as its own viable content channel, uh, Substack comes to mind, Stratechery comes to mind. There's a, there's a, there's a company that's one of your customers that just, re, uh, just got a high valuation, uh, coming to mind, um, the, then the hive and some of the others. So I like all of a sudden we're like, oh, look, I could send you text that you paid for so that you could read it instead of having have login and website controls that you just hand out. Like, Oh, you mean like an email newsletter? What a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Kind of it, funny. It's been amazing. Yeah. You know, at the, the one, I think the one you're referring to is probably Morning Brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, and those guys, you know, their success and their 
you know, their announcement of the valuation they achieved, it created a huge wave of, of inquiries for us. Right? We're just like, a lot of these people are like, oh, holy smokes. Like, I didn't realize that this was possible with a newsletter business. And granted, like, they're genius writers. Their, their writing is incredibly good. And, you know, they, they attract some of the best, you know, advertisers. And, like, they, they're doing everything right, in my opinion. They're a really solid company. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, as you say, like, it kind of brought people, brought it back into the foreground, right? Where it was like, oh, yeah, like, I used to think that email newsletters were, you know, either dead or sort of, you know, more of a, um, like a technique for building a brand or, you know, a personal right. brand or kind right. of a spammer thing. And, you know, these guys have built a real company around it. These guys have built a, you know, a, a really high, you know, high revenue generating organization, mm-hmm. all starting with newsletters. And, and and now they've got several, like they used to just have the morning brew and one newsletter is basically like your news every, every morning, right? Which I still subscribe to. But now they've got like marketing brew and a whole bunch of other, you know, different niches. Uh, and, and they're just, they're just blowing up, you know, so they're, in my opinion, they're, they're kind of the gold standard for the newsletter referral business. Uh, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of cool. And it, and it takes a whole bunch of the things that would be a, a, a maintenance pain if you could ever maintain it, uh, to, to protect content in some other got to go there repository, like a web, you know, like a website or a social media forum or something like that. It's like. Yeah, the old girl's still got some legs, right? Email. <laughs> she really does. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not going anywhere sometime soon. Um, does text SMS play a role in in what you do, or have you had that request? Yeah, sometimes. So the um, we our customers can get anything that's in the address book. We give it to them, and and the, our our product has a way that you could modify what's displayed if. If you want to show a column of phone numbers instead of a column of email addresses, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll have like, for example, another one of the use cases, one of the sort of segments that is we're pretty popular with is event invitations and, um, yeah. you know, like Evite type companies, right. And they want to, sometimes they want to give people a way to, you know, send those invitations via text message using, you know, Twilio or some other tool. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. And so in those cases, uh, where, you know, a user of their service is motivated to, you know, fill out a spreadsheet, a lot of, most of the, before they discover us, most of the time what they're doing is they're giving their customer either a form that's kind of like first name, last name, phone number, or email. And it's like got four fields on a row, like over and over and over again, down the page, right? And yeah. you might have seen something like that before. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this like there's like this, this sanity relief. There'd be a button somewhere that says like download a spreadsheet template and fill it out and upload it. Right. And you'll download this Google doc or an Excel spreadsheet, you can fill it all in or whatever, and then upload it. Right. And it's real clunky. And we, we, we you know, we have customers that are in the e-cards, like, like holiday cards kind of space. Wow, right? yeah, of Very similar UI, right. In those yeah. areas where, yeah. You know, you want to set or, uh, or wedding registries is another one that kind of looks the same way, right? Where it's like, you've got, a, you know, a big list sometimes, you know, you want to send out a hundred or 150 holiday cards, or you want to invite a bunch of people to a wedding or a registry or something. And it's not just a couple of friends for a referral program, right? And those are like sort of 
special enough that you don't want to just put your, you know, your, your uncle's email address. You want to also like personalize the email with his name. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so those, that's why those forms have to be, um, there has to be more data inputted into those forms. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and so those use cases are, are, are real powerful for the, for the address book as well. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, and all of us, I'm, all of us now are guilty of, of the, oh God, that's too much work, right? It's like, if someone says, put the email address in here, yeah, I might do it. If someone says, put five of them plus first name, last name, yeah, you just lost me. Like, I'm not going to do that manually, especially on a mobile device. They, 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 I don't think so. Not going to happen. Not yeah. going to happen. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, if they, if they want to do like the, the grass about SMS, if they want to do that part, they want to send SMS or email, that's another data field. So you're taking what you was first name, last name, email, and now you're making it another even more with the, with the phone number. In our case, they can just kind of stick it in there and, and then use that phone number and pump it into their, you know, their, their SMS uh, delivery system. Yeah. 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 And SMS. No, uh, no typo, no typo <laughs> tolerance is there. I've, I've had a few, um, I've had a few guests on, on this podcast, um, who are in the SMS, MMS, you know, the other messaging space. And it always makes a fascinating conversation, like how channels kind of jockey around, find their fit, but the old ones don't tend to go away. They, they, they either tend to reinvent or refine what role they play, but they don't, they don't tend to evaporate. I mean, to be fair, I don't send faxes anymore. So that one pretty much seems to have died. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, I mean, I think that for me anyway, I think the difference is that they're open networks, mm -hmm. e email and phone numbers are, they're not like proprietary platforms provided by, you know, right. by Facebook or, you know, yeah. TikTok yeah. or whatever. Right. It's like a, these are, these are open. Everybody's got one. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think for me, any, anyway, for that reason, like they're, they're not going to go away. They're, they're just never going to go away. They'll, they'll always be important. Yeah. Yeah. I think so as well. I mean, someone made the quip, if you don't have an email address, you're digitally homeless. I'm like, well, there's some merit to that one, honestly. <laughs> Cause I, I don't know, I don't know where you are, but when I fill in, you know, sign up for X, cause I sign up for way too many things, right? Like most of us. When they offer the turnkey, click this button to sign in with Google, Apple, da -da 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 -da, Facebook, like, no, I'll give you an email address and I'll set a password. Why? Because I know I, got, I know I have long-term control of that. Right. It's like, it's just that yeah. simple. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I do, I do steer clear if I've got the option, because mostly because I, I'm, I use a password manager and it's no extra effort for me. It's like, no extra effort. Yeah. Same. It's no, I like it that way and it's fine. But for me, the, the problem in those UIs is when they give me more than one choice. Yeah. And I have to channel my future Jay. <laughs> say if I come back to this thing two years from now, am I going to remember which are you? Did I choose to log in with Twitter or Google, right? And I don't know which. Like, yeah, I even still have that problem with Medium. You know the Medium. yes, yes, yes. That one, I like. I have to actually remember that. Yeah. Oh, I created my Medium account a certain way, mm -hmm. and I've gone through that sign in the wrong way. Right. Yeah, and then I end up with a new account and I'm just like, ah, oh, like I know that I have more followers than this, but now it's saying like I zero and 
it's all because of those multiple options there that I, yeah. you know, if they're more than one of them is applicable for me, then my reflex is to not choose either of them is to, is to use just an email address if I can. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then that way I don't confuse my future self. Right. Plus, you know, Pat, Pat, <laughs> password manager, hopefully coming along for the ride. Cause God knows it better. Um, I hit a service the other day. I want to say it was mind.me could be rolling. Uh, but the two sign up op the two authentication identity options were Google and Apple. And I had, had not seen just those two. It's like, eh, it's kind of interesting that, uh, they're probably kind of mobile centric. Mm -hmm. And you know, I happen to be on a web browser on a, on a desktop. So like they're saying, you're going to end up on, on a mobile device is going to be one of these two. Okay. That's a fair bet. Right. Yeah. Uh, but no email option. And I did pause for a minute and go, maybe I'll just close it and say no. Cause, cause I hate being forced. I hate being forced down the pathway that ultimately says, and you will not leave. I opted for Apple by the way. Cause I said, yeah, no, no darn way. I'm going to end up with no Apple devices anytime soon. <laughs> Well, without having seen it, I guess um, I would guess that they did that because those are the two identity mechanisms that are connected to your payment methods. True, too. Yeah. Google, true, too. Google Pay and Apple Pay. Yeah. True, like too. The, at some point in your journey with that company, yeah, they're probably going to try to sell you something yeah. and they're probably going to use that to suggest how you probably would like to pay for whatever. Are you sell you? Apple Windows Linux, like what? What's your uh, preferred personal technology cloud? Uh, yeah, we're I'm. When it comes to devices, we're an Apple household. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to cloud stuff, mm -hmm. calendar, email, photos, that kind of stuff, we're Google. Yeah, same. Yeah. Apple devices everywhere. Google, Google Cloud, all over the place. Laid on top of it, I, I find Apple's cloud services irksome at best and subpar yes. to say the least, but, um, not, not going to exit either of them. I was going to ask you though, I mean, as an Apple user, I hit something the other day where I ended up purchasing from the phone and I'm not an existing account, like an Amazon app or something like that it was like, this popped up by land on the site. I'm like, yeah, that does look like something I want. And, and it was so flippant seamless to pay. It was yeah, like the face exactly. ID inside, inside a Safari browser, not an app. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it popped up the link in Safari, but it was like, wow. <laughs> okay. Now I start to see the long-term bet on, on, on digital payment because it's, it's taking longer than we all thought, but I lowered the friction of opening my wallet by a long margin. Yeah. Yeah. I had a similar experience uh, and I can actually remember the company I was using. It was, uh, I was, it was kind of a joke for a friend. I bought, uh, Cameo, you know, Cameo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Get yeah. someone semi-famous to record a video for them. That's right. Yeah. In this case, it was, uh, it was Brett, the Hitman Hart, the wrestler. Oh. I was, I was hiring Brett, the Hitman Hart to like, make like a, you know, a hype man video for a friend of mine. Is it like a, like a April Fool's Day joke kind of thing? Yeah. And they had that experience. They probably still do. And yeah, they also have an app, but I didn't need it. I was just using it on my phone, you know, yeah. I was, I was yeah. 
was waiting for one of my small children to fall asleep sitting in a, you know, in the dark in a chair. And I was like, oh, cool, Brent. And I was like, just going through this checkout process, killing time. And then all of a sudden I was done. And I was like, wow, like this Apple Pay in Safari experience is like perfect. Like it was really, really quite something. So that's where, I mean, where you guys had come in, it's like getting the Brett part of it right would be so, so easy, right? Your button and Apple's button and you're done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, that's one of the things that, that we love too is, is because, you know, when you're in the Safari browser, um, you don't have access to the contacts that are on your phone. Even if you're using your phone, you need to be using an app to have that like super convenient access to the address book that's on your phone. Right. Yeah. And so our, our customers are, you know, they use our product to, to create the best experience possible. It's not quite as seamless, right. But they, they do that. Uh, they use cloud sponge to, to create the best experience they can, uh, inside a mobile browser environment. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit of innovation happening in Android, uh, specifically the Chrome browser on an Android device. Okay. Makes sense. Do, does have a, a, uh, Google contact picker. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a beta project right now. Mm-hmm. They, you know, we'll be the first ones to integrate with it. Right. Cause it's, it's going to just make us all the, all the, that much better. Right. Yeah. Because we'll be able to, to roll it out to all of our customers uh, as soon as we feel like it's ready, as soon as it's good enough, right? Yeah. But you will start to see in Chrome on Android devices, you will start to see the ability to use your locally stored contacts on the device rather than having to use the sort of the Google OAuth in the cloud, yeah. you know, journey that we're all used to. Uh, it's a little bit more native, right? It's a little bit and I have every reason to believe that Apple and Safari will follow up eventually and, and they'll make it so if you're, if you're on an Apple device using a Safari browser that, you know, they'll, they'll create some pathway uh, to be able to, uh, to expose your contacts in that scenario as well. So. Yeah, we're not, we're, we're, we're not done, right? We're not done fitting all these pieces together. It, it, if you actually watch in the course of a day, the number of things you'll end up doing that are that are sort of the human bridge between system A, system B, system C, system X. Like, really, how many times have I typed my name, copied and pasted something like over and over and over? We're used to it, mm-hmm. but, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I actually, I resent um, banking and finance apps that don't have, uh, that don't have the native ID on the device working I'm like what do you mean i have to sign in oh my god that's so much work right <laughs> uh, yeah you just want to give give permission to use your face and yeah yeah or thumb when you have you know in the older one but yeah so, something like ah, again and yes i should have it all in the keychain but then there's the dueling password managers and that's a whole that's a whole unsettled battle i've been a young i've been a one password user for at least 15 years, if not 17, um, which was early, early days for the new Mac only back then, but oh. they just got like a billion dollar valuation the other day on a fundraising round. Yeah. I didn't know that they'd been around for so long. They have. And you know what? At Agile Bits, it was two guys in Canada when I started and they were terrific. They were terrific even then. I'm like, these guys are going to stick around. I had, I jumped out of the Windows environment back to the Mac, ditched RoboForm. 
hunted around said, oh, I like this one a lot and, and, and watched them grow over the years. And it's like kind of cool. And now you realize that password management is, is that's a fairly important little piece of the ecosystem that we all live in. Yeah. I mean, everybody, even people that don't use a computer every day, like I do, they have some hundreds of logins. Yeah. Hundreds of logins. Ordinary people have hundreds of logins, right? Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, I probably have a couple thousand. Yeah. <laughs> like, like looked at my password manager list, it would, it, it would probably be pretty staggered. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of comfort from the fact that you know, no two passwords are the same ever. There you go. You know, and now the, you know, the password managers are starting to do, I don't know if all of them do it now, uh, but I know some of them started to, to do the two-factor authentication as well. So you don't have mm -hmm. to use. Yeah. Keychain yeah. actually does that natively, although it's god awful to use. They, mm -hmm. they need to make that better. I'm a little surprised Apple, Apple hasn't, hasn't more explicitly jumped into that job. It, it still feels like kind of like re a reach around to use the keychain for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of, of Apple's identity stuff in general. I think it, for me, it's partly because in my house, I have several identities, right? Yeah. And devices that are shared between those identities. Yeah. And yeah. I've got, in my professional life, you know, I've got several projects where I've used different email addresses and I've got yeah. different preferences and things like that. Yeah. And I think Apple's just not good at that. They're just not, they're not. They're, they want it all in the walled garden. They well, yeah. they want to just treat one human being as one human being and they haven't realized that, you know, sometimes my, you know, my personality as a volunteer for the Cub Scouts should be separate than my personality as an entrepreneur at CloudSpot. It's like, yeah, two things really don't have a lot of overlap. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It was me, right? And so those types, for example, like those types of things, like I just, I find that that's where most, if I am frustrated with Apple, it's usually in that area somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. And, and. Even if you have a ton of, you know, devices from that, you know, devices cooperating, you're probably laying multiple IDs on top of that as well. My, my, one of my sons was, was more or less using my Apple ID initially, you know, as we sort of stepped them into smartphone land and this is years ago. And it, 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 it became obvious it was a really dumb idea at a certain point, like, Right. You reset my Apple password. Oh God, no. <laughs> like, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. It was a mess. So, uh, yeah. And I don't think, I don't think that's an easy problem to solve, to be fair. It's a very tough, messy, weird, uh, problem and inherently insecure if you do solve it. So, yeah. And Google met, you know, Microsoft made a play for that years ago, early, early internet days. They wanted to be the, the source of, uh, of identity and authentication. And it just fizzled. Yeah. The Microsoft passport. Passport. That's it. Yeah. That's yeah, it. That's right. Yeah. I'm dating myself now. But yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you, you, you do this stuff long enough. You sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This will come and this will go and there'll be another one. But P.S. We'll still be using email. Just got to tell you that. <laughs> no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, uh, where do you see taking CloudSponge uh, in the next few years, Jay? Yeah, with CloudSponge, yeah, we are. Um, so, if you think about the shape of like a bullseye, right, and and the center of the bullseye for us is that like core logic that connects with the address books and 
like it pulls out that data and normalizes it in the form of an API, right? Mm -hmm. The next circle in the bullseye is the contact picker, which is this tool that as I've explained to you, has like several different use cases. You can plug it in it starts with that one button. You can put it into a referral form. You can put it into e-cards or crowdfunding or whatever. And it's kind of up the, the trade-off. The problem with that for us is that the only people that can make use of that are developers or companies that have like engineers that are able to plug something like that in. Yeah figure out how to use the API or write some JavaScript code and like weave it in from a technology perspective to make it work with whatever their use case is, right? So up yeah. until now, all of our customers, one of the things they have in common is they've all got some kind of engineering talent or engineering bandwidth that they're using to sort of plug into the CloudSponge product somehow, right? And so the next sort of circle is where we're going next, which is taking what they're doing and learning from all of them and starting to build something that's a little bit more no code, a little bit more plug and play. Gotcha. Taking some of those use cases and making it like, for example, we're, we're right now we're launching a WordPress plugin called better sharing. And yeah, it's like something that anybody who knows how to make it, put it, put a plugin into a WordPress site and they want to have basically like the, the, the world-class, like the best in breed sharing interface that includes the address book, like contact picker. And to sort of takes all that stuff that we've seen our successful customers do, and we're able to sort of fold all that into something that doesn't require engineering talent to get the value, right? Nice. That's that basically the one more layer of abstraction. Yeah. Right. Uh, really trying to get to those agencies, especially agencies that are serving uh, e-commerce clients like yeah. WooCommerce and Shopify clients and agencies that are setting up those, those e-commerce stores, um, and, you know, providing that extra layer of abstraction so that, you know, it's a little bit more approachable, right? They can play, they can install a plugin, do some visual configurations, do some, some, you know, personalization of those emails, those emails that go out with, you know, with the address book content, right. With mm -hmm. names and stuff. So that the emails increase those open rates and those click-through rates. Uh, and then, you know, building integrations with other products and, and basically just trying to get into a place where it's a little bit more point and click and no code and a little bit less, you know, JavaScript and JSON and APIs and yeah. cross-origin resource sharing and all this stuff <laughs> and that our guys need to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Our current customers do understand, yeah. uh, you know, for us, you know, that's a really fun and lucrative market, uh, but it's a much bigger market if we can sort of solve some of those problems and make the whole, the whole uh, thing a little bit more approachable. So yeah, it's, it's sort of, but, sort of the no code version you said it. Yeah. I mean, you know, in a way that's, that's the category that WordPress plugins kind of are falling into, whether they say that or not, I don't know, right? No, but it's, it's kind of the no, you, you can always open the hood and get into there and, you know, it is open source and you can go change some stuff if you want to, but most people don't, right? Most people, yeah. they just, they just uh, do what the plugin does and ask for some support, right? So, yeah, yeah. So we're, yeah, this year we're launching better sharing for WordPress and, um, yeah, anybody, anybody listening here that wants to check it out, you know, I'd love to get. There's at least a couple dozen companies out there using WordPress. <laughs> yeah, we chose we chose WordPress first because uh, it's obviously it's a massive market. Yeah, and, 
you know, in the, if you think about a spectrum of engineering, uh, uh, skill set, and if you, if you put where we currently are on one end of the spectrum and Shopify on the other end of the spectrum, WordPress is in between the two, right? Yeah. You need to be a little bit, a little bit technical to be able to make a really beautiful WooCommerce store. You need to understand how to, yeah. how to be a web developer or at least have one. Um, and then eventually, you know, you'll graduate or we'll, we'll graduate to also serving Shopify where, you know, it's a, it's a closed system that you have very little control over. Right. So for them, we'll be, you know, building apps and integrations with, uh, you know, with our partners who, who already have apps in the Shopify ecosystem. Well, that's going to be a fun evolution to watch. So if someone's listening and they are interested, they head to cloudsponge.com. Yeah. Yeah. Cloudsponge.com. We, we try to make ourselves very approachable. So there's lots of ways to contact us on the site. We've got a Slack community and email and chat and uh, you name it. They can always upload their address book and tell their friends. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some shared. <laughs> you be your own best demo. <laughs> yeah. There's a lead magnet there. Uh, <laughs> That, well, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's protected by an email address, but it, it's called the better sharing workbook. Oh, uh, it's just a PDF. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I want to say it's like 10 pages, mostly like, you know, pictures. Uh, but it's basically a way for e-commerce stores or the agencies that support them to, uh, sort of take an inventory of their sharing and look at everything they're doing yeah. and sort of as far as virality. And the ways that they're getting their, their current super fans and the tools are giving their current customers to yeah. spread the word about them. Yeah. It's kind of like a checklist. Like, here's all the stuff you could have, like check off the ones you do and don't, and then, uh, sort of audit those ones for a certain functionality. Like, do, does it do this or this or this, or have you done that personalization or this personalization, those types of things. Mm -hmm. And so our customers get, um, it's a, it's a good way to just take stock of where you're at and, and, and sometimes it inspires, uh, new ideas and new priorities for the people that download it. Uh, when we get this, uh, we get this episode, this conversation turned into an episode. I'm going to, I'm going to go back and cherry pick all of the agency owners that I've had on the show and make sure like, Hey, you really need to watch this one. Have you thought about doing this? So maybe that, uh, maybe that some, sends some new customers your way as well. Cool. Very well, good. Cool. Thank you so much for the time, Jay. Yeah, thanks for having me on. My guest has been Jay Gibbs, CEO and founder of CloudSponge. We're out. Thanks. Bye.